You may be seated. And good morning. It is a joy to see all of you this morning. I don't often get to see you from here. And so it is lovely. You know, Jeremy is on vacation and we celebrate that with his family. And so Betsy and I will be here in this place for the next two weeks. And it is a joy to get to worship together in this way. So today is Ascension Sunday. And our scripture passage for the day is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. And I invite you to rise in body or in spirit as you're able. Would you stand to hear this word of scripture? So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. What's for breakfast? <laughs> this is the question that we hear the most in my house. And that really isn't surprising, I guess, when you've got teenagers. But then most of the questions that get spoken within our four walls are really along the same lines. Did the mail come? Do you have homework? Are these dishes clean? These are the kind of questions that get asked in our household, and they all have to do with the daily activities that we do each day, with making sure the wheels are turning and the mechanisms of life just keep going. None of these questions are memorable or profound. But sometimes questions arise that change all of that. Now, in the past few weeks, we have been telling resurrection stories. 
with Jeremy here, we've been following the accounts in the Bible as we see the resurrected Jesus through his interactions with his disciples and those who are closest to him. The crucifixion is now in the past. The stone has been rolled away from the tomb. And today we see the Christ of the resurrection who has been with his disciples for 40 days now. And as we heard those stories, we gained lessons from each encounter. And in hearing them, we've learned to look for Jesus in new ways and in unexpected places. Now today we spend our time with Jesus and the disciples on this day that we have come to call the day of the Ascension. And to be honest, this is a story in our scripture that sometimes hides in the shadows of bigger stories, stories that we tell a little bit louder. This one doesn't gain as much attention, but even as it marked the end to Jesus' earthly ministry, this day was a new beginning, a new mission for those who followed him and called him Lord. Now, in our scripture passage today, our disciples have gathered. We don't have any indication that they know what this day is going to bring, that one day it's going to have a name, or that they were speaking with Jesus for the last time. We can imagine that they're probably asking him questions and listening to answers. It's probably something like their old times that they're having a lesson, a teaching session, they're hearing from him about their lives. And we can guess that the questions that they're asking in this moment are probably very relevant ones. Things like, what's going to happen now? What are we going to do next? But they also ask him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel. Now this is an interesting question, because you would think that at this point the disciples, at least, would know a little better. You see, what they're asking is that kind of question that people might have asked at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You would have expected it from someone who didn't know him well, who weren't very familiar with his teaching, with his message, because what they are asking was an expectation of the Messiah from long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. For centuries, Israel had been living under the rule of larger, more powerful nations. And at the time of Jesus' ministry, the Roman Empire was in control of Jerusalem and, and Israel and all of its inhabitants. And the people of Israel really resented that Roman rule. They longed to be a free and a powerful nation like they had been in the stories of old. And they spoke of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, usually meaning and hoping for a warrior like King David, someone who would conquer their enemies and once again make Israel free. This is what people were hoping for from the Messiah, until Jesus came and they learned what kind of Messiah he was going to be. They had expected something different, but Jesus didn't come for a military victory, but instead he came to save everybody. 
So to be honest, as we read this question of the disciples, and I do have to give Luke some credit here, it just says they asked him. It doesn't rat anybody out. It doesn't point the finger at anyone in particular. But it says they asked him, is this the time? when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And I can't help but think the disciples should have known a little bit better by this time. They should have gotten the point and known what Jesus was about. And yet, Jesus, in, in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't reprimand them, he doesn't call them out. He simply answers, saying it's not for you to know the times or the timing or the... The, the seasons, the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He tells them, you're not really meant to get a preview of how history is going to unfold, but instead, you have a mission. But then Jesus doesn't linger to explain or to allow for follow-up questions. Jesus is simply lifted up while they are watching. He is taken up, he's enveloped in a cloud of mystery, never again to speak another word as a human being walking the earth. He just goes to resume his place in heaven, to take his seat on the throne. One minute he's there, and the next he hasn't even said goodbye. I can't imagine that the disciples are really prepared for this. Now, most of them, most of us, most of us as we've read this, we read it through a lens of about 2,000 years and we know the ending of the story. We know what's coming, right? But to the disciples up to this moment, this probably seems like just another day until suddenly everything was different and Jesus was no longer with them. But there were, instead, two men who seemed to appear and take his place, two men in white robes, and these two men start asking some questions themselves. Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now these two men... We've seen them before, right? If you were listening carefully to the Easter stories from just a few months ago or maybe past years, you will remember that they appeared there too. Now in the different Gospels, in each one they look a little bit different, they're described a little bit differently, but they are always there. And they seem to always be present in these holy moments when Jesus is made known in a new way. And what's more, these men show up asking questions. They always seem to be asking questions, and not just any questions, but the important questions. They're asking the why questions. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you weeping? Why do you stand 
looking towards heaven. They make me think of children, actually, asking why. Because if you're a parent or if you work with children at all or spent much time around children, then you know children ask why a lot, right? We know that they do. They ask a lot of why questions, and the why questions are usually the hardest. The answers are the longest, and they require the most thought on our part. Why do I have to go to bed now? Why can't I eat dessert before dinner? I know some adults had asked that question. But we ask, sometimes as we ask these questions or as we hear them, the whys just escalate and they go on and on until the only answer we have left is, because I said so. And then the questions get harder as our children grow. They begin to ask the clarifying questions. They want to understand more about how the world works. And their questions begin to require more knowledge on our part, or maybe more wisdom. Why is the sky blue? Why does the tide go in and out? Why are people mean sometimes? Why do we fight? And their questions may well leave us speechless. An old school friend of mine once reflected on the fact that Questions of why really can go on forever. Because as soon as we have answered one, all we can do is say why again and again and again. You really never can finish answering why. Now, I think that this question of our two men in white robes in our scripture passage today, I really think this question is kind of an unfair one. They say, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? I mean, where are you going to look, right? Here are the disciples, their Savior, whom they love, who has given them a reason for being in whom they have faith. He's suddenly been lifted up into the clouds once again to be a part of the great mystery. Really, what else are you going to look at? And the disciples, after they've watched their Savior be raised up while they remain on firm ground themselves, they're a bit like children themselves, right? They need to ask some clarifying questions to figure out how the world is going to work now and what part they're going to have in it. Because up until now, they have kind of been surrounding themselves with the same old things. They've been asking the same questions. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? But they've also been surrounding themselves with the similar things, similar people, going to the same places. This place where they are gathered when Jesus ascends is Bethany. Scholars tell us that this Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem takes the disciples right to the town of Mary and Martha that they know so well, where they've been so many times before. And then they go back through the Mount of Olives, and they go back to pray in the same upper room, and they're trying to wrap their minds around Jesus' words that they're soon going to be leaving this upper room. They're soon going to be leaving this Mount of Olives, and pretty soon they're going to be traveling a lot farther than Bethany all because of this question. 
Why? Why? Now, why has actually become a pretty trendy question, right? People like Simon Sinek have popularized phrases like, what's your why? Start with why. And we have a lot of books now that are written on this topic, but the question itself is an ancient one, right? We've been asking this question for a very long time. What's my purpose? What am I here for? What am I meant to do? Why am I here? And just like these disciples, we might have a hard time imagining an answer that's new. Now, several years ago, when I was serving one of my earliest congregations, it came to that time of year where we begin to think about nominations. Nominations is that process where we ask folks to serve in certain ways in the coming year. And as we approach this time of year, I wanted to prepare people for that, and so I sent out preference cards to members of the congregation because it seemed the right thing to do to ask them what interests they had, what ways they felt called to serve, where would they like to be in the church. And the congregation was great. They were happy to fill out these cards and turn them back in. Most of them did. But what I found when I collected these cards was that what most people wanted to do was exactly what they had already been doing. If they had worked in the church office, then they volunteered to work in the church office. And if they made Wednesday night dinner, then they wanted to continue making Wednesday night dinner. And if they'd served on a committee, they wanted to stay on it. And that made sense. These were hardworking folks willing to step up and serve where they were needed. And they had had plenty of time to figure out where they were needed, what their gifts and their graces fit into the needs of the congregation. And they had already had the chance to answer all of these questions, they didn't really need to ask them again. The disciples didn't really need to ask these questions again. The disciples knew their people, their places, their roles. They knew what to do. They had been doing it, except that now they didn't. Now, that Jesus had gone to once again be a part of the eternal now. The disciples were left earthbound and muddy, figuring out their purpose, figuring out their why. Maybe this is the clarifying question that we should be asking of God. Maybe every year when Ascension Sunday rolls around, maybe we should ask this question one more time. Why? Why? Maybe we should never stop asking. Because when we ask God this question, we are almost certain to find that our purpose is a lot bigger than where we've been. 
It will almost certainly require us to go farther than we might have imagined. It will almost certainly take us beyond what's familiar, beyond what we've known. Maybe even to the ends of the earth. But I can't imagine a better place to be if that's where God is calling. What is the why that God is speaking to you today? Let's pray together. Loving God, speak your why into our hearts. As we celebrate your ascension into heaven, we also accept the mission here on earth. May we have the courage to fulfill all that we are called to do. Make us yours, now and always. For we pray this in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen.